Okay, you can turn your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Look at verses 22 and 23 this morning. The text is also in the bulletin. We'll recite that together in just a minute. Um, Here we are. This is the last time we're going to do this. uh, Recite the fruit of the Spirit together. We're at the end of our series on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, We've looked at each of the things that Paul has listed here. Each of these nine sort of character traits, you could call them. uh, Relational attributes. um, Each of these things that he's uh, listed, we've looked at them as facets of God's love. Facets of Christ's love that can become ours in the Spirit as we walk in the Spirit. In the Christ-centered Spirit. So, um, here we are at the end. uh, Last But not least, we're going to look at self-control this morning. So, uh, I'm going to try not to pick on you too much, but um, young believers, children, think about self-control just for a second. uh, I've got a question for you. Because many of you have done a really good job uh, over the the last nine, ten weeks uh, memorizing this list, the fruit of the Spirit. I know uh, probably most of you have it down better than a lot of the adults do. Uh, you've, you've thought about the fruit of the Spirit for several weeks now. So here's my question. Here's my question for you, because maybe you haven't thought about self-control yet, because we're going to talk about it today. <clears throat> but when you think about self-control, does that sound like something you want the Holy Spirit to grow in you? Does it, self-control, does it sound like something you want the Spirit to help you with? Do you want God to help you to be more self-controlled like Jesus is self-controlled? Honestly, I think that's a hard, hard one for all of us, not just kids, right? Um, <clears throat> becoming more joyful, uh, having greater peace, or being kind to one another... Those things sound maybe more interesting, maybe more positive, right? Uh, Becoming more self-controlled, that seems difficult. That maybe even seems unpleasant. Not just to little kids, but to everybody, right? So whether you're young or old, maybe you feel like you struggle with this particular fruit most of all. Struggle to uh, understand it or incorporate it in your life. Uh, Let me just encourage you to remember, even though we are prone to do just the opposite of bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The life of Jesus is characterized by this fruit in wonderful ways, and through our relationship with him, the Spirit can grow the fruit of his life in any Christian, in any member of the church, in any believer, no matter what your age, no matter what your personality, no matter what your background. God can help you with this, even with self-control. So, uh, so let's pray, and we'll uh, read the scripture, and then we'll talk about that. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we need your gracious work, the work of your Holy Spirit in us. If we're going to hear your word and receive it, be receptive to it, and be changed by it, so we ask that you would please help us now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, together. The fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I think if you're to ask, you know, just get a bunch of random people together and do a survey, uh, ask them this question, what kind of person do you think best demonstrates self-control? 
What kind of person do you think best demonstrates self-control? You'd probably hear a lot of people answer, athletes. Maybe not all the people would answer that way, but that would be a significant portion of the survey results. You'd probably hear a lot of people say, athletes are the kind of person that I think demonstrates self-control because athletes are disciplined. Athletes are focused. Athletes train hard. Athletes follow strict schedules for exercising and eating and sleeping. Even sleeping. Athletes give up a lot of good things in order to reach their goals. They're careful about what they eat. right? They don't just pick out on potato chips and ice cream all the time. They don't drink much alcohol. They don't smoke. They don't party all night long. Athletes want a specific reward. They have a specific goal in mind, and they go hard after it. And Paul sees some analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 between athletics and the Christian life regarding the exercise of, of uh, self-control. So he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Right? So in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, Paul is talking about all the things that he has been willing to give up. He's talking about all the things, all the freedoms that he has surrendered. He's talking about all the rights upon which he could insist, but that he has not demanded for himself. All for the sake of love, all for the sake of the gospel, all for the sake of the church, all for the sake of his ministry to people. Right? So God, uh, Paul mentions this in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 9. God himself has said it clearly. He has explicitly granted certain rights, specific rights. He's made provision for servants of the gospel like Paul to enjoy good things. Made provision for them to enjoy good things. But Paul says, nevertheless, we've not made use of this right. But we endure everything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. I've made no use of any of these rights. I've become all things to all people. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share in the blessings of the gospel with the people that I serve. Right? So he's saying, I give up a lot of preferences. I give up a lot of personal preferences. A lot of my cultural preferences, I give those up. I give up a lot of simple pleasures. I give up a lot of comforts. I give up a lot of things that someone might say that I deserve. I even sometimes go without my basic needs being met. Paul would say, I give up a lot of good things that would make me happy, that are right and good, that would make me happy in this life. It would be perfectly right for me to enjoy. I give these things up for the sake of other people so that together we could celebrate our relationship with Jesus. So the biblical idea of self-control, it's bigger than mere restraint. It's bigger than discipline. It's bigger than temperance or abstinence or kicking bad habits. I mean, those are probably the ways that we usually think of self-control. I need self-control because I get sucked into too much 
entertainment, right? I, I play too many video games, I watch too much TV, I read too many books, I'm on social media too much. Uh, I need self-control because I'm addicted to the thrills of gambling or sex. I need self-control because I eat to comfort myself. I need self-control because I self-medicate with drugs and alcohol. And we think that self-control just means stopping those bad things or stopping the overindulgence of the good things, stopping the addictions, stopping the addictions, cutting out bad things or only enjoying the good things in moderation. And maybe the best way to, to, to make these changes, maybe the best way to accomplish these goals, to cut these things out, to stop the addictions, to regulate my intake, my consumption of good things, Maybe the best way to do that is train ourselves, practice some spiritual disciplines, get up early, read the Bible, and pray every morning. And you know what? Those things are probably elements of self-control, sure. But self-control as a fruit of the Spirit, the way that Paul talks about it, the way that Jesus talks about it, true biblical self-control is a facet of love. It's a facet of love. It isn't just about kicking the self-destructive bad habits because, you know, it'll be better for me if I stop those bad habits. It's about giving up the utter self-orientation of our sin and deliberately turning our whole life over to Jesus our Lord and living as he does for the sake of other people. It means turning away, self-control means turning away from a life where we just consume because we can, where we look to all kinds of things to fill us and fulfill us and distract us, and instead, on the other hand, living from a new fullness in God that means that we serve and we give and we love just like he does. <clears throat> Jesus talks about this in, in terms of self-denial. Self-control and self-denial, I think, are pretty similar themes that we find in the New Testament. <clears throat> Instinctively, without thinking, I'm prone to make myself and my desires the center of my life. And Jesus says we have to rein in and reject that instinct, and we have to follow him instead. So he said in our gospel reading, <clears throat> uh, which John read, um, thanks, good to see you, good to have you back. Uh, from Mark chapter 8, and it's, it's also, this, uh, this conversation is recorded, it's, a, it's an important conversation in the Gospels. Uh, it's recorded in detail in uh, the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's given a central place because it's an, such an important conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So Jesus calls us to deny the impulses toward living a life about ourselves. And this means becoming able to recognize when and how we're living life about ourselves. When and how we're being self-oriented. And to give that up and to follow Jesus to make our lives about his love instead, and about the love of others instead of self-oriented love. Right? The, the call to deny yourself 
It doesn't just mean kicking bad habits. It means quitting your addiction to self. Quitting your addiction to self. It means that you forsake things like self-protection. It means you forsake things like self-fulfillment and self-indulgence and self-advancement and self-glorification. Like Paul, it even means giving up what everyone might consider to be basic freedoms. Basic rights. Basic human needs, even if these are good things, even if these are things that you, in some sense, deserve or you've earned, or even even if these things are provided to you by God, it means giving these things up sometimes, even though it might mean going without many good things. Self-denial, self-control, quitting your addiction to self, ultimately is good for us. Proverbs 25 I think this is printed in the bulletin. Um, Verses 27 and 28. It says, It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So how do these little verses tie together? Well, you know how you can make yourself sick when you eat too much candy. Too much honey, too much sweet, good thing. You can make yourself sick when you do that. You know that? When you live a life always looking to stuff yourself, always looking to get and take and gobble and consume, always demanding your own rights, always seeking your own glory, always oriented on yourself, when you live a life all about yourself, you'll make yourself sick. It's not good for you. You'll wreck your life that way like a ruined city. Jesus says you'll lose your life that way. That's how you lose your life. Jesus calls us to something entirely different. He says, stop stuffing yourself and instead pour yourself out as he does. So self-control isn't just about giving things up. It's about giving up self-centeredness for Jesus' sake and for the gospel's sake. And that is absolutely against our nature. That's absolutely foreign to us. Uh, in the same encounter that's recorded in Mark 8, when Jesus speaks plainly about his own death, showing how he's leading the way in a life like this, self control, even to the point of giving up his own life, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, Surely this is not the way. His ways are incomprehensible, even to his disciples. Even the people who are closest to him spend the most time with him. But Jesus insisted, if you're going to come after me, then it means letting everything go and picking up a cross. That's what I'm doing. That's what my followers will do. That's where your true life will be found when you give it all up for my sake. So for Jesus, self-control meant wholly devoting his entire life to us. Resisting all temptations to the self-centered life, to self-protection, self-fulfillment, self-glorification, in order to protect and fulfill and glorify us, his people. So consider what it means. What that means that the one true God, he's the one who is, 
the source of all creation. This is the God who is the heart of all reality. This is the one who is the vision and desire of heaven and earth. This God chose, he, in self-control, he chose to become a human being, to be united to his creation forever, always and only for the good of his people. He did not demand his own rights at any time. He kept nothing back for himself. He gave himself for us. This is the beautiful self-control of divine love. And the Lord beckons us to follow him in this way. This is true freedom. This is true life. That he's calling us to find as we follow him. And not only this, he provides us with his spirit so that his own self-controlled love can become ours. Through the spirit who's given to us. We don't become more self-controlled like Jesus through sheer willpower. We don't become more self-controlled by adopting more rules and training harder to try to keep them. Right? Paul says as much in Colossians chapter 2. He says strict adherence to regulations like don't do this, don't do that. They seem like wisdom, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh, the self-centeredness of ourselves. Only our adherence to Jesus, only holding fast to him, only receiving our life and growth from him will produce the true fruit of his own self-control in us. Jesus picked up his cross by the power of the Spirit, and the same Spirit bears the fruit of his life in us so that we can pick up our crosses and deny ourselves and give our lives for his sake and for the gospel's. And in doing this, Jesus says we discover the paradox of the gospel. We deny ourselves, and we lose our life, and that's where, that's where we find salvation. That's where we find true life. Right? We deny our self-centered selves in order to become our true other-centered loving selves in Christ. We give up seeking our own glory, and we find ourselves sharing in the everlasting glory of Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it for an imperishable wreath. There's some reward out there in front of them, some prize that they're running for, that they're training for. We do it for an imperishable reward. That prize for us is sharing the, the blessings of the life of God together. That's the, that's the prize Paul was running for. That's what he says we should all exercise self-control in order to attain. If you're just absorbed with yourself, then you'll never know the life of God. You'll never share in the life of God. You'll never truly participate in the community that is blessed to enter into the life of God together. Because the life of God is love, self-denying love, self-controlled love, self-giving love. That's the life of God that we can participate in in this community through faith in Jesus. It can look as dramatic as somebody giving up an addiction, a lifelong addiction, to follow Jesus. It can look as mundane as a child walking in the halls of church instead of running out of consideration for other people. But for believers in the church, our self-control, as with all the fruit of the Spirit, 
It's a feature of our relationship with God. It's a facet of love that has everything to do with Jesus and with his life coming alive in us. So let's follow him and let's lose our lives for his sake and for the gospels. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we all struggle with being self-centered in many ways. Some of us with enslaving sins and addictions. Some of us in less obvious ways. But we're all addicted to self, apart from you, apart from your grace. So we pray that you would grant us the freedom from enslaving sins and freedom from the addiction to self in order to follow Jesus, who was never self-centered, even for a moment. Help us to control ourselves for love's sake so that we may share the blessing of your life together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.